0: one or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
1: And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. It is September 4th, 2008. We appreciate you being part of the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We look forward to your comments. You can participate by dialing 877-381-4567. That's eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at CollegeView com is the email address to use. We're looking forward to your participation on the program. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here tonight. Dad, good to be back with you after a few weeks apart. Jacob,
2: good to be with you. Glad that you're back from your work last week and uh, we can be together. we got a new setting for the virtual Bible studying tonight.
1: We're in some new digs tonight and yeah. uh, maybe some uh, things that we want to work on. To, but uh, hopefully the main purpose for this was to get some better Uh, set up for our video
2: uh, during our live program that's right the uh, the elders of the church have been very supportive of our virtual bible study efforts and and when it was suggested that maybe we could use one of the classrooms as sort of a permanent studio for our for our program they were all for that so we thank them for their uh, cooperation and for their support of the virtual bible study Uh, every week in the past for over three years we've had to put the put all the wires together and take them apart. Uh, because we were just working out of my office. And so now we've got sort of a permanent place and we can make some improvements. One of the things that we think we might be experiencing, and you can let us know if you think it's so, we think that we might be getting some uh, echo in the room. We have to do a little soundproofing to keep the reverberations down. But, uh, I think this is going to be better in the long run, Jacob.
1: All right. Well, we do hope that you will join in to the virtual Bible study in our new setting tonight by dialing on the phone or sending your emails. As we want to look to a question, Dad, that really was prompted by one of our listeners uh, about uh, the role of the church in spreading the gospel and helping, specifically helping young
2: people. Let me read part of this. This is from a regular listener in Antioch, Tennessee, Don. Don writes, and he says, you are aware more and more churches are appointing youth directors, and some of these youth directors have the philosophy that they need to expand their ministry beyond helping the youth within their own congregation come up with programs and activities to bring in the youth from outside the regular congregation. Some of the methods to get them off the street are music, sports, pool tables, movies, pizza parties, and who knows what else. Uh, And so he wants to know about that. Uh He says, if they're brought in for the wrong reasons of fun and games instead of the sole reason of studying God's word, then the entire congregation may be exposed to danger. Uh, and so he has two questions, and we, we have sort of formulated our questions around his for the study this week. Question one is, what is the scriptural role of the local congregation to help our youth and what methods should be used? And then he says, What is the scriptural role of the individual Christian in helping youth and what methods should be used? So, based upon that email from Don, we sent out earlier today to our update list these questions. And they're
1: basically Don's questions.
2: Basically, Don's questions with a little bit of uh, expansion, maybe. Uh, Number one, what's the scriptural role of the local congregation to help young people and what methods should be used? And as a sub-point there, give an example of the most extreme form of carnal enticement that you've seen used by a religious group to bring in people, either young or old. So uh, what is the scriptural role of helping young people in particular? What what should the church be doing? What methods should be used? And if you think that you've seen some some bad methodology, if you think you've seen um, groups religious groups using methods that you would not agree to, uh, what are some examples that you've seen? Because there are some pretty extreme examples out there. That's question one. Question two, what is the scriptural role of the individual Christian in helping our youth and what methods should be used? Now, again, this is moving away from the church and talking about the individual. What, what can the individual do? What methods should the individual use? <clears throat> and then, as a sub-point, give the best example you've seen used by individual Christians to help others, uh, young or old. So uh, those are the questions we put out there, and we'd love to hear from you. We're basically going to be talking about young people and the church and how we might attract them and the question of can we use carnal appeals, Jacob, to bring people uh, to the church.
1: All right. Let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567, collegeview dot com. We want to hear your thoughts on the program because it is, as Don notes there, it's becoming more and more common. And uh, we see it all over the religious world. They people have to be basically gimmicked in to attending worship services, sort of like you would gimmick them into a used car sale or something like that. And we have to ask the question, uh, do we really believe that uh, there's any power in the gospel if we've got to use these gimmicks to get people to interest? Well, in?
2: we live in the commercial age, and people have tried to, I suppose, adopt some of those commercial methods in trying to bring people in. And, and that's the kind of thing that we're especially concerned about and want to talk about in our program tonight. Can we do that? Should we do that? What biblical principles would be under consideration if we use these kind of appeals? Don suggested things like music, sports, pool tables, movies, pizza parties, and so forth. What are some of the things you've heard of, and what do you think about those kind of things? Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you. We also will take your phone call immediately if you'll call us at 877-877. Three eight
1: We're looking forward to your participation in the program tonight. One of the uh, things that was interesting, Deb, this week also, we came across an, uh, a news article where there are churches, uh, not in the Tennessee area. This was in North Dakota, Valley City, North Dakota, where they're using gimmicks of giving away gas cards to get people to come to services on Sunday morning. How about that? Yeah, they uh, the... Uh, uh, the Congregational United Church of Christ of Valley City, North Dakota, uh, we would have no affiliation with that. Uh, we wouldn't believe anything they believe. Probably. Yeah, that's something
2: we ought to point out because this this denomination has been named a number of times. I think Barack Obama is a member of this denomination. The United Church of Christ and the United Church of Christ and the Church of Christ are absolutely not the same at all. And would have enormous differences in doctrinal belief and practice, so we should just point that out. But go ahead.
1: Uh, they are uh, giving away fifty dollars worth of free gas in a raffle that you can enter. I guess on Sunday.
2: Well, oh, you mean you don't get it automatically? No, by you going don't.
1: You have to enter the raffle, and I guess a few people are getting it. Another church bought a thousand dollars worth of gas or ten thousand dollars worth of gas, and was selling it for ninety-nine cents a gallon to those who would attend. Uh, services during yeah. the summer when their, when their attendance was going down, they bought this gas, come to church, and we 'll give you gas for ninety nine cents a
2: gallon. you know I believe it, it, you 're talking about carnal appeals and we 're going to talk about whether that sort of thing is right or not, but i to tell you those people are onto something there. If you can use that sort of thing that 's better than a hot dog if you can get if you offer people ninety nine cent gas they will come they 'll come for that way before they 'd come for a hot dog. The question is, can you do any of that sort of thing that 's what we want to talk about but You know, when you see people lining up to save a nickel on a price of gas at one station over another, you think about it, a nickel per gallon, and if you're going to buy 20 gallons, that's just a dollar, and people will stand in line for a half an hour to save a nickel a gallon. So if you're offering 99-cent gas, my guess is that they're probably getting an enormous response to that. Our question is, should they be doing it? That's the question we want to talk about.
1: All right, along those lines, in another newspaper article this week, uh, coming from uh, a a portion of the Columbia Daily Herald, a newspaper that they put together, a church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, the People's Church, which may be an appropriate name, by the way, the People's Church, they are making plans to rent out a, a lease out, the, a big grocery store that's going to be vacating its building, a 5,000, a 55,000 square foot building, and their plans are a multi-million dollar renovation of that building to include a multi-purpose room that seats 800 people, a youth activities room, a preschool room, a cafe, a 5,000 square foot indoor playground, an outdoor playground, a children's activities room, uh, and, and other rooms as well. But, I saw lots of carnal things there, Dad, in in their renovation, multi-million dollar renovation for indoor and outdoor playgrounds, um, a cafe, and uh, a youth activities room. So, again, we don't have to look far to find examples where churches are bringing these type of enticements to people, trying to get them interested in attending
2: their church. Like you said, you don't have to look very far. I mean, it's everywhere. we got a couple of emails that mention some things they've seen Uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, says uh, he recently received a flyer, and it was from a Church of Christ inviting youth to come to a particular activity, and they would be provided chili dogs and ice creams instead of the bread of life. So there's plenty of examples, and and even we're not saying that necessarily far-out religious groups are doing this. Uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant references a Church of Christ that he's aware of, uh, that's doing that sort of thing. And then our friend uh Jim in Tullahoma, Tennessee, says that he heard of a church bringing in a wrestling star and allowing the children to walk across the pulpit and jump on his stomach to show how <laughs> strong he was. That's pretty good. I, uh, most preachers would not want that, but uh, that is an example of some of the kind of stuff that that uh, is going on. If you know of some, some pretty far-out examples of that sort of thing, we wish you'd send those in to us, questions at collegeview.com. I imagine some of you probably have some tales to tell about things that you've seen uh, along that line that are designed to try and bring people in. Now, there's also the possibility that some of you who are listening think that that's absolutely okay. And if you think it is okay, what we want you to do is to send us your scriptural justification for that. Uh, you you know by having listened to the virtual Bible study that we're very much about Bible authority for all that we do and, and teach and practice. And therefore, if we ought to be doing that stuff, uh, then we need to know why and, and where the scriptures would authorize it. In fact, if we should be doing that kind of stuff and we're not, then we're really being... Uh, woefully inefficient in our work because th- those kind of things obviously attract people. 99 cent gas will attract lots of people. And if, if we should be doing that sort of thing and we're not, then we need to change that. So if you think that's a good thing to do, by all means, send us an email and give us the scriptural justification for it. We would definitely want to know that.
1: Yeah. That the, the people's church in spring Hill is not spending multi-million dollars and renovating a 55,000 square foot building, so they can have 10 or 12 people there, there will be, that building will be full. The yeah. 55,000 square feet will be packed, I would imagine. So, so
2: what we're saying is, it, it, it's demonstrated time and again that these kind of things work in bringing people in. Right. Now, if that's what we ought to be doing and we're not, then we're just and we're dragging our feet here when we ought to be out there, you know, buying up tankers full of gasoline and making playgrounds and gymnasium and we're not doing that show us from the scriptures where we should be doing that Uh, so if you're someone listening and you think that's the way to go by all means we will put you to the head of line we want to hear from you and we won't be ugly with you we happen to not agree but maybe we're wrong on that and you if you could show us from the scriptures we want book chapter and verse on the other hand if you uh, are inclined to think the way that we do that these kind of practices are not scriptural and the church should not be doing it then Let us know your thinking there as well. Remembering the questions being, especially in regards to youth, but young people are old. Is it right to you? Can the church use those kind of appeals to draw people in? Yes or no. Give examples of what you've heard. And then, secondly, what can the individual do, what should they do, and what are some good examples you've known of individuals who've reached out and and drawn people and helped people uh, with the things that they've done personally?
1: All right, we're going to take a break. The number to call is 877-381-4567, questions at com. We should mention, well, we we didn't mention at the start of the program, if uh, people were listening last week and in uh, the weeks prior, we were uh, advertising a program that should have occurred tonight, Uh, in which we were going to interview the gentleman who is suing Bible publishers because they included the word homosexual in their translations. He doesn't like that. It uh, has caused him grief, he says. He thinks they're wrong for including that word. We were going to interview him. We had things lined up, uh, but he came ill this week. And so hopefully next week or in the weeks following, we'll be able to reschedule that interview. Yeah, we really look
2: forward to that interview and still hope that it will take place. So uh, if you would...
1: Stay tuned for that interview, hopefully, coming up in the weeks to come. We'll take a break, and we'll look forward to your participation. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this.
0: You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages.
2: We've got a few questions for you. Me? Well, just a few questions about the virtual Bible study. First of all, do you think people can be expected to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night? I think it's perfectly reasonable. Well, uh, what would you say to someone who slipped up and forgot to listen to the virtual Bible study? Just don't do it again. What's the general reaction that you're hearing about the virtual Bible study? Everybody loves
0: you and so do I.
2: And we'd like to ask, can you expect to hear informative subjects discussed each and every week on the virtual Bible study?
0: There's no question in my mind.
2: Well, there you have it. People are listening to the virtual Bible study. Make your plans to be here every Thursday night,
0: and tell others. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now back to the program. And And welcome back to back on the air.
1: Welcome back. (laughs) Uh, Trying to do some coordination here in the studio. Welcome back to the program, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We want your participation on the program tonight. What do you think about the work of the church and uh, the gimmicks that people in the religious world today are using? Don in Antioch uh, keyed off our discussion tonight with an email. He notes that many groups are resorting to these type of tactics to lure people in with the physical, and then maybe slip a little gospel in on them when they get there, Dad. And we've talked with people in the past, and the, the argument has been used on, with me, and I think with you, you were there as well, where you get them into the gymnasium, they're awful close to the sanctuary. That is, you get them in playing basketball, and then they can just slide down the hall, and you might be able to slip a little gospel in on them if they're not looking. You can sort of sneak it into them.
2: Yeah, I think that's the idea that you know, draw them of one thing and then you'll be able to 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 give them the gospel if you can get them there. You got to get them there first, you get them there then you give them the gospel. We want to know uh the scriptural basis for that approach. Before we get further into that discussion, Jacob, I during the break I put a poll question up here on the board behind us. And I'm going to leave that up there for 2 or 3 weeks. Uh I'm going to put it on the website as well. If Uh, it's been all in the news in the last week or so that John McCain, the Republican candidate for president, has named a woman, Sarah Palin, the governor of Alaska, to be his vice presidential running mate. I've already been asked several times, and I think it's going to be on the minds of a lot of people who listen to the virtual Bible study with regularity, can we, should we, would it be right to vote for a woman to hold such high office and so, between now and the and the November election, I don't know how soon we'll get to that, but we want we want to start getting feedback. And so, just just send us an answer. You don't have to you don't have to give any explanation. Just say yes or no. In fact, you can even put it in the subject line. Send us an, an email to questions at collegeview dot com and just say yes or no. And we'll know from that whether you think that you could, as a Christian, vote for Sarah Palin uh, to be the vice president of the United States. Uh, some people are going to have a conscience about that, and so we want to sort of get a, uh, an unofficial poll of listeners. Could you, should you, would you vote for Sarah Palin, uh, to be the Vice President of the United States? And, and in the coming weeks, before the November election, we're going to discuss that topic. It's got to be a hot topic.
1: All right. Let us know your thoughts about that, and let us know your thoughts about these carnal tactics that we see in the news today, what is the scriptural role of the local congregation to help young people and what methods should be used? And what is the scriptural role of individual Christians in helping our youth and what methods should be used? We want uh, to hear from you on the program tonight. To answer those questions, Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee, uh, says to question one in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, But if I tarry long, thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church has a responsibility to defend and teach the truth. And so I believe from Wade's example or answer there, Dad, that he would say the church uh, should teach the gospel and leave the carnal physical attractions uh, maybe to the county fair, but uh, definitely don't bring those into the church.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, that's a, a very important descriptive of the church in First Timothy 315 when when paul called the church the pillar and ground of the truth you think the pillar and ground you think of that which supports and upholds the truth that's the primary function that god has given to the church uh, he has not given the church the the role of of being the social and recreational outlet for m- members and non-members alike and and that's what many religious organizations have become But I don't believe the Lord ever assigned that role to the church, and there's not any place that I know of in the Scriptures that would justify the church being involved in that business.
1: You know, we could look to uh, Christ and his example, and certainly if anyone had the means to use these type of enticements, Christ could have, he he was able to prepare large meals without a caterer, without any kind of fancy kitchen, he was able to feed large numbers of people. And so if Christ wanted to use those carnal activities to draw people in, And like churches are doing today, certainly he could have done that. But we see just the opposite of that.
2: Well, actually, that – and we haven't got a call yet from anybody trying to defend these sort of activities. So we might just sort of go ahead and and maybe make an argument for him that I have heard made before. And that is that Jesus did do that sort of thing, that Jesus on a couple occasions fed huge crowds of people. Of course, he did it miraculously with just a little bit of uh, food. He turned it in miraculously into a huge quantity of food. One time there were 5,000 men plus women and children. And we read that in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, John 6. On another occasion, there were 4,000 men plus women and children. So very likely on those two occasions, there were 10,000 plus numbers of people that were fed by Jesus. And the argument is made, Jesus fed them and he taught them. And that being the case, that would serve as an example for us. We can bring them in feed them the hamburgers and the hot dogs and give them those kind of things that they desire physically and then when we've got them here that'll give us the opportunity to teach them and and the example of Jesus is held up as being you know the authority for doing that we're, we're looking for a book chapter and verse there's there's an example from our Lord Jesus Christ himself now is that an accurate way to interpret the actions of Jesus and would we be doing right to to do such things today well A little bit of careful analysis of those two episodes will show that the people had been following Jesus to to hear his message. He had made no promise of food. In other words, the food wasn't held out there first, and then when he got them with the food, he taught them later. That's what people are suggesting today. But in both instances, and I challenge you, if you don't agree with me on that, to look, look up those texts. Again, I'll reference Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, John 6... And then again, the second episode was in recorded in Matthew 15 and Mark 8. But in those instances, the people had already been following Jesus. There had never been any suggestion that they were going to be fed in the process of that. And so um, uh, what, what happened was, for instance, in Matthew 15:32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. And so the people followed. No promise of food had been made to them. In fact, they had been with him for three days and hadn't been fed at all. And they were still there because they were interested in the message that Jesus was teaching. Uh, The food came afterward as an act of compassion. It did not come initially, as a as a way of drawing people or, or, or attracting them with the anticipation of being fed.
1: We might do the same as individuals today, following Jesus' example, Dad, if you were studying with someone in your home and you studied through lunch or you studied through uh, supper time and uh, this person is is hungry, you might feed them before they went home. you wouldn't call them into your you wouldn't use that food as a way to attract them, but you would have compassion on them as an individual like Christ did and uh, take care of their physical needs uh, on, a, on an individual level. But we don't see any type of program where Christ has uh, put together the big marquee and uh, and brought in the, the, the balloons and all, trying to get people to come for the fish dinner. He t- brought them in with the gospel, and that's the way we need to attract
2: people today. You know, actually, Jesus uh, gave some information uh, that should help us in determining this. In John 6... When Jesus, when this this was the episode where Jesus fed the 5,000, the next day when the people came to him, uh, it says, John 6, the day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save the one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples in the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. It goes on. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, Neither did the his disciples. They took shipping, came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perish, but the meat which endureth until everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Uh, and, and the text goes on to show that he did not feed them. When he sensed that on the day after he had by an act of compassion fed them, and when he sensed that they were coming to him the next day to get more food, he said, no, he didn't feed them. And so if you were to ask Jesus from that very episode, would it be appropriate to attract people by offering them food? Jesus said, I never did that, and I wouldn't do that. That would be the exact answer we get from the example of Jesus. And so actually... The people who want to use the feeding of the, of the multitudes as an example of Jesus doing the kind of thing that we're talking about, attract people with carnal means and then preach the gospel to them, Jesus didn't do that. And that text actually argues the opposite of, of what they're trying to say when they reference that passage.
1: All right, let us hear your thoughts at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We want to hear from you on the program tonight. Wade also mentions another verse that I left out, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He says all need to be edified. We can do this by singing, studying, and praying together. And so Wade makes uh, excellent points there about how the church can be edified. It's not by the carnal, but it is by the spiritual that God has provided for us in the church what goes on to says i don't see where teenagers are treated any differently in the new testament the most extreme form we have seen is when uh, they speaking of these churches invite a popular entertainer to come in and perform to attract visitors and so appreciate wade for participating on the program tonight
2: exactly right um by the way jacob we're already getting some feedback on our poll We're already getting some responses to our question up here. Like I said, we're going to leave that up. That's not for tonight and not for next week either. But before the November election, we're going to go to that poll question. So when you get a minute, send us an email. Do it right now. If you're sitting there at your computer, would you or could you, should you vote for Sarah Perry?
1: This is not a political question. It's not a political question. So we're not saying do you like uh, her plans for uh, increasing or decreasing your taxes. We're talking on a on a – Biblical level, should, scriptural should a woman
2: Should a woman hold such an office, and would it be appropriate for Christians to help her achieve that office? That's the question. And we're not right asking.
1: asking if she's qualified. Right. Uh,
2: or, or if she's, uh, if she, we're not talking about uh, her character. A lot of people listened to her speech last night and thought she did a fabulous job just from a purely political point of view. And uh, that's not the question we're, we're asking. We're talking
1: biblical authority.
2: That's right. We're asking for biblical authority for a woman to be in such an office and for Christians to help make it so, that's the question we're asking. We do
1: not want to get into a political discussion. Actually, we're not program.
2: going to. We're not going no. to get into politics, but we just want to know what you think about that question. It is a, That's a moral question. Right. That's not a political question. That's a moral question. All right.
1: 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com on our question tonight. What about these carnal means that are so common in the religious world today? We'll take a break, get this week's bullet point, and come back and continue the discussion. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this.
0: Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement.
2: This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. The dictionary defines the word justify to mean, quote, to defend or uphold as blameless or right, to declare guiltless, absolve, acquit. When it comes to our soul's condition, there are two very different ways to approach the business of justification. The first way is by means of the soul-redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. When we humbly acknowledge our own sinfulness and in true faith obey the commands of God, we are, quote, justified by His blood and shall be saved from the wrath through Him. Romans 5, verse 9. Those who do not find real justification by God's plan often follow another route that we refer to as, quote, self-justification. This is not new. Many men, past and present, have made such efforts. Several common tricks are employed when folks try to justify themselves. They will, for instance, ignore the problem. Some seem to think that if they don't acknowledge their wrong, it will somehow disappear. It never does. Or, Men may try to deny their sin. Their, quote, heart is wax gross and their ears are dull of hearing, Matthew 13, verse 15, and the sin remains. Or perhaps a man might try to make excuses. When their failures are discovered, men will frequently describe the extenuating circumstances that led to their sinful words or deeds. In reality, an excuse is... An admission of fault and does nothing to truly justify the sinner. Some try to blame others. This approach is as old as the very first sin. Adam blamed Eve, Genesis 3, verse 12, and millions have imitated his fruitless effort to shift blame. Yes, others sin, and sometimes their sins have an impact or influence on us, but such things never justify us to go against God. Finally, some will even try to blame God. Adam tried this too. He was wrong, and so is everyone who tries this. God has always desired what is best for us, and His laws are designed for our benefit. Deuteronomy 6, verse 24. We all need justification. Be careful not to be deceived by self-justification, but rather seek true justification by obedience to God. That's this week's bullet point. Think
0: about it.
1: Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible
2: Study.
0: Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys.
1: And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. Please do join in as we talk about carnal means of attraction in the church in the churches that are common today. 877-381-4567, Questions at collegeview dot com.
2: Jacob, we just got an email from Patrick in Birmingham who says uh, he has not personally witnessed this, but this past weekend there was an article in the Birmingham News the religious section about the controversy caused by the fact that some churches are giving away gas cards or having drawings for gas cards at services to draw people in. So it may not – we were referencing an example in South or North Dakota there, uh, but apparently it may be happening in Birmingham, Alabama as well. So, Well, uh, I, think, uh, I think
1: that uh, maybe the same article is referenced because I, I got it from the religious section of the Nashville Tennessean. So maybe – I'm sure that these newspapers are looking at the same – articles to try and get material for their newspapers. So we may, uh, Patrick, we may have read the same article.
2: Okay, it might be. And then we got an email from Indiana. It says, if you tune your TV to the religious channels, you will see the most outlandish programs, and they're called Christian-oriented. They have what was once called hard rock metal bands. They have dancers doing moves that would have been banned 25 years ago, all of this done to Christian music, if you can call it that, with biblical words and pictures that flash on the big screen in the background. And then they bring out a speaker that's just as absurd. I can see where teenagers get this strange mindset and misleading views and and understanding of the Bible. Appreciate those comments. So that, I think, is a good example of the kind of carnal things that are done. You know, take take the carnality of rock music and and vulgar dancing, then add some so-called Christian lyrics to it, and then... And then use that sort of thing to uh, attract people. Kids kids are going to come to a rock band, and they don't really care what the words are. You just can't understand the words anyway. So they're just going to come for the hard rock music, and so you've, you've got them there. Uh, I think it's probably a good example. And
1: people, some people aren't bold enough to admit it. Some are bold enough to admit it that people today just aren't interested in religious things. And so we've got to do something to get their attention to attract them there are people who are bold enough to say that there are some who would deny that but we have to compare their actions with Paul's attitude in, first, in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 where he said for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek Paul knew that what people needed and what would save people and what would draw people was the gospel of Christ Paul wasn't using these tactics Paul didn't go into Corinth or to Ephesus and set up uh, playgrounds, set up gas stations for their chariots and give away. Uh, I guess you'd give away some oats a buck, or something. A of oats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they weren't doing that in, in the first century. They had the power of the gospel. That's what people needed,
2: and that was what was drawing people. You were reading Romans one. Uh, might also read First Corinthians one, chapter two. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning verse 1. Paul said, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and in power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul, Paul was touching there upon the same kind of idea he wasn't trying to attract them because he was a great fabulous orator we We might
1: not even have liked to hear paul preach from his mechanic uh, point of view you know his his uh his presentation may not have been uh, something we would have been pleased with at all
2: well he says i was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling apparently that his his personal persona was not the kind of thing that would – he didn't have a magnetic draw on people because of himself and, and his oratorical skills. But he said, that it wasn't about me. He said, I, I was there to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's and amazing. that's
1: what first century Christians wanted to hear about. They were spiritually minded and they wanted to know about Christ and about his will for them.
2: Actually, uh, we do know of one church where maybe they had corrupt desires, uh, and that is that Corinthian church again. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul condemned them. and He says, beginning in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20, When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, the point of it, it should have been. They should have been coming there to eat the Lord's Supper, and they weren't. He says, For in eating, everyone taketh before another his own, his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What, have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. And then he ends that discussion at the end of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 34. He says, If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. There's a church that was maybe dangerously close to the kind of thing that's been suggested. Use these carnal appeals. Get people to come, and uh, then maybe we can teach them. Paul said, you've got houses to take your common meals in. Don't be coming together in the church. It's not the work of the church. It's not the function of the church. to Provide for those kind of things. And so he, he said, uh, leave that at home. That's the time for spiritual things when you're together
1: as a congregation in the church. And so we need to understand that. And uh, these religious groups that are using these tactics uh, seem to be uh, missing the boat.
2: Don sends in an email. Don, of course, is the one who sparked this discussion. Don, glad you're listening tonight to the virtual Bible study. And he says Paul also didn't set up stages for bands to get everyone riled up and dancing and going on. And by the way, I think Don's right. It's not that they didn't know how to do that sort of thing. They were
1: doing that in religious uh, uh well, festivals.
2: The, the pagans were were all about that and the Romans were really into these wild parties. We know that from history. And so if if Paul and the others in the first century church had sat down and used their human wisdom, they might have reasoned and said, you know, everybody's used to these kind of pretty wild parties. It's what parties. kids like today. Yeah, they like that kind of music, they like those parties. Yeah, and and you know if we're going to attract them, we're going to have to attract them with that sort of. Now maybe we can get a little gospel on them once we get them here, but in these days of the Roman Empire, we're going to ha- when in Rome do as the Romans do. We're going to have to do like they do to attract them, and we're just going to have to do that.
1: We... You know, back in my day in eighty or ninety BC, the kids were different than they are to, in the forties yeah. and fifties AD. So yeah. yeah, so we've got to change things around.
2: And some people would just say, you know, uh, if, if, what you have to do whatever works. We say you have to do whatever is authorized. It's not up to us to change the methods that God has authorized. We often reference Colossians 3.17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. we got to have Bible authority for what we do. And if we're going to do those sort of things, you, you better be able to come up with some scripture. We haven't had that yet. We haven't had anybody suggesting that they know a place where they can go to say there's an example of what we're doing. We, I think we We disarmed the one argument that they might make about Jesus feeding the multitudes. That actually argues against their position. And so we're still waiting for someone to say, here's the authority for us to do this. Um, Perhaps the sad thing is a lot of people don't feel like they need to have the authority.
1: Well, a lot of the common idea in the religious world today is if it works, it is okay. Because what is important is that we have a large number of people who are who are going along with us? We're, we're, what, what we were, we're going to call it? What we want to call it? We'll call it religion. And if a large number of people are doing it, and if we say by doing it it draws them closer to God, then that's all that matters. If they can have some type of religious experience, and you define it how you want to define it, that is all the justification they need. But it doesn't work that way in the scriptures, as you referenced, Dad, uh, Colossians chapter three verse seventeen. We have to do all by the authority that God and Christ have given us. Uh, through the word and if we don't have authority for it we can't do it regardless of whether or not it would bring a large group of people to join us in that activity because if it's unauthorized it's wrong and it doesn't matter how many people are doing the wrong activity uh, they're just as lost as they were before they started doing that activity
2: that's exactly. right the, the argument uh, we have got to do it because everybody else is doing it is a, a very flawed argument because majority has always been wrong religiously and we follow the majority uh, we'll probably be wrong too. Um, our friend Jim in Tullahoma has said along these lines, obviously, uh, concerning the, the 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 first question, what's the scriptural role of the local congregation toward the young people? Obviously they are to teach, train, encourage, and provide spiritual guidance for them. Ephesians four, eleven through sixteen, first Peter five, one through four, etc. That would include the teaching done from the pulpit, classroom settings, and any special Bible classes that would help in such training. And so, uh, Jimmy agrees that we ought to be using the Bible as that which will help our young people. That, you know, if you've got if you've got a young person and they've got spiritual issues, and you feed them a hot dog, they're no better off in addressing their spiritual issues than they were before. They're not helped. But if you can give them sound biblical teaching, you've actually given them something substantial that might, in fact, impact their life. So I think, I think that's a good point. Thank you, Jimmy, for your comments tonight.
1: That is, we talked about our authority, and a lot of religious groups today don't feel the need for Bible authority in all that they do. But we understand that it is required to have Bible authority for the things that we do because of one simple fact. Well, multiple facts, but one fact remains is that we have to do all that we do by faith. If we do things without faith, it's sin. Romans 14 tells us that. Romans chapter 1 verse 17, just after Romans 1 verse 16 where the power of uh Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of salvation. In Romans chapter 1 verse 17, he says the just shall live by faith. And so when we live our lives a life that is pleasing to God is a life that is lived by faith. Would you agree with that? I agree. Everything that we do is going to have to be done by faith. How do we get that faith? Romans chapter 1 or Romans chapter 10, verse 17 tells us faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the only way you can get faith and the only way you can live a life that's pleasing to God is with faith. And the only way you can do that is by the word of God. And so we've got to have Bible authority for the things that we practice. If we're going to do it by faith and if we're going to be pleasing to God living by faith, we're going to have to find that authority in the scriptures. Religious people today have just turned their back on it, and they're doing whatever they please and whatever they think is bringing a large number of people in. And we just can't live like that. We can't live by faith by doing it.
2: Okay, good points. got an email from Timothy in Garland, Texas, who writes, What direct commands, examples, and or necessary inferences do we have to bring anyone to church? Should young Christians be different? Shouldn't we bring people to Christ from his word? In other words, what he's saying is he, he I think, is making the point we shouldn't do anything different for young people than we do for anybody else in regards to trying to draw them to Christ. Uh, anything that you could do for a young person, you ought to, you could and should do for an older person. The youth are not any different than the older ones in needing the gospel.
1: And I think he's also getting to another point there, the idea of drawing them to the church. A lot of people are drawn to the programs in the church or just the building itself. They've got a beautiful church building um, there's uh, certain aspects about the, that group that we like or dislike. And that's not the, real, the pool of the gospel. The gospel is the pool of Christ and his sacrifice for man and, and our desire to live for him. That's what really needs to draw us.
2: In John chapter 6, Jesus said, verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, some people want to misuse that verse to say, There has to be some miraculous draw, some direct action of the Holy Spirit to draw a man to the Lord. He actually goes on to explain that in the next verse, John 6, 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. And so how was that going to happen? Well, you're going to hear and learn and then come to Jesus. And so the, the emphasis on the word. He didn't say everybody who's been fed And then we were able to teach them, we'll learn and come to the Father. That step's not in there. It's just hearing, learning, and obeying uh, that will bring people to the Lord. That's what Jesus said. So thank you, Timothy, for your email. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on the virtual
1: Bible study tonight. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We've got about 15 minutes left to go in the program. On the other side of the break, we do need to talk about the individual's role in helping young people. What kind of activities should individuals be engaged in? And if you have any thoughts along those lines, please join in. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be back on the other side. We look forward to your participation right after this.
0: These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
2: Hello? Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing?
1: Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great. I'll see you there.
0: Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find that it's easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College View Church of Christ.
2: Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the Virtual Bible Study.
0: Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program.
1: And we are back. Thank you again for being a part of the Virtual Bible Study. This program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. And we are committed to studying the power of the gospel. We believe it is the power of Christ into salvation And, uh, we are studying it. We're committed to studying it and putting it into practice in our lives. We're not interested in gimmicks. We're not interested in the carnal, uh, activities that uh, many are using to draw people into the church. We're interested in the gospel of Christ. And we're studying it and putting it in, trying to put it into practice in our life on a daily basis. And that's what we're about. And if you'd like to be a part of a group that is trying to do just that, we encourage you to come and be a uh, part of us, come and visit with us at the College
2: View Church of Christ. And we should mention that there's a special opportunity for all who are in the Middle Tennessee area coming up beginning a week from Sunday on September the 14th. We're going to have a gospel meeting here at the College View Church. Uh, it'll be running from Sunday through the following Friday, the 19th. And we want everybody who's uh, within driving distance of Columbia to plan to come and join us uh, for that gospel meeting. James Hahn, who's really a fine gospel preacher, will be here And I can guarantee that he will be preaching sound lessons right from the Word of God, based soundly upon the Word of God. Uh, I think you'll appreciate the messages that he will bring. And so, again, you might mark your calendars starting Sunday, September 14th. We're going to have our regular times Sunday morning, but on Sunday afternoon we'll have a a period of singing at 2.30, and then our evening service will be at 3 o'clock. And then throughout the week, we'll be meeting at 7 o'clock Monday through Friday. So mark your calendars. If you live in the Middle Tennessee area and if you're able to come, we'd love to have you come for our gospel meeting. And with James I don't Hahn. know
1: about James Hahn's credentials. I don't know what kind of education he's had. And I if I was coming to listen to James Hahn's opinion on how I ought to live my life, I wouldn't bother. We're coming to hear James Hahn present us lessons from God's Word and presenting lessons for us that God wants us to hear that he's presented for us in his word. And that's what you'll hear if you come and listen to the sermons. In, in and the week to, from Sunday starts a, start. week,
2: a week, it starts a week from this coming Sunday, the 14th
1: and there will be no nightly collections throughout the week.
2: And on Thursday night of that week, uh, we'll do as we typically do when we have special gospel efforts underway, we'll have the virtual Bible study and James Hahn will be our special guest and we'll have a live audience. And so if you'd like to see how we do this, Come that night, and and you'll be able to see firsthand uh, how we do the virtual Bible study.
1: You know, with the video now, that sort of loses some of its
2: draw, though. Well, but you get to be on TV. Well, you get to be on the Internet. We'll show you uh, in the live audience. Well, we don't want
1: to scare people away. (laughs) All right, you don't have to be. Uh, But we do want you to come and visit with us if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com.
2: Before we – we want to talk about how the individual can do some important work along the lines of helping, teaching, encouraging people – that was the second part of our study for tonight. But before we get to I got one more email from Jim in Mount Pleasant. He said, when we asked what is the scriptural role of the local congregation to help young people, he said, what do you mean by young people? If you're talking about those who are not Christians, then the role of the church is the same as that for any who are not Christians to teach them the gospel. If they are Christians, the role of the church is the same as that for those who are Christians to encourage and edify them in their ability to remain faithful to God through Jesus Christ. And so I think Jim is putting a point out there that I, I agree with as well, and that is young people, old people, they're all people and they all need the gospel and, and they need the strength and encouragement that comes from the gospel. And and to have special programs aimed exclusively at young people uh, while maybe over even neglecting or overlooking the needs of older people, is, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't see how that's appropriate either. So no, but we're that. not
1: against classes that are specifically tailored for young people because we believe the gospel has truths that are uh, specifically relevant to those who are in uh, younger portions of their life. Uh, So we have classes here, Dad, that are aimed at younger people. That's right. And we have classes that are aimed at older people because the truths of the gospel, there are truths contained that are especially important for young people. And they're especially important for older people. So we don't say that there shouldn't be special teaching for young people. We're saying these special carnal activities, uh, the, the the focus on the physical and not on the spiritual. That's what uh, we believe is an error.
2: There we go. Uh, let's go to this second part of this question. We said, what's the scriptural role of the individual Christian in helping youth and what methods should be used? And given some examples, and so... Uh, again, referencing Jim and Mount Pleasant, he said, "The best example I know of is one uh, uh, is of one who can be marked as faithful and dependable in all they do. One who is always at worship, ready to participate in class, friendly to visitors. In short, one whose life is an example of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. If we if we would have more brethren like this, then our young people would have an easier time of learning that you can remain faithful to God in this wicked world. So, his he's basically saying." Establish yourself as a faithful person living an exemplary life as a Christian and give give the young people a role model. I think that's a very appropriate idea of what you can do for young people.
1: Same thing Paul did where he said, imitate me uh, and what I'm doing. And so we should uh, realize that young people are going to imitate us, and we should have a life that we would want them to imitate.
2: Yeah, First Corinthians eleven verse one, Paul said, "Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ." Paul was not afraid to allow himself to be used as a as a pattern or a role model, and he told Titus that he ought to do that same thing. In Titus chapter two, uh, he says. uh verse 7 in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine showing uncorruptness gravity sincerity sound speech that cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you
1: He said the same similar things to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 let no man despise thy youth but be an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity and so we all ought to be living lives that would be an example to younger people dad to older people we ought to be living lives that uh, would encourage our fellow man to live a life that's pleasing to God. But the sad part of uh, that is, Dad, that there are many people, many Christians, who would not want people to imitate them because they're not totally dedicated Something to doing
2: that we God's even work. We even heard people use that expression, don't do as I do, do as I say. Yeah. And of course, that never works. Let me me read just the rest of Jim's email. He says, All Christians should be role models, exemplifying the image of Christ for one another. Whether young or old, we should be compassionate, helpful, caring, sympathetic, and willing to assist one another in our ability to remain faithful to God through Jesus Christ. Our love for God and his son should never be a question to others, but an affirmation which is easily seen. Thanks, Jim, for your emails tonight. Got an an email coming in from Patrick who says, When it comes to helping young people, no one has a greater responsibility or influence than a child's parents. The most important method of helping is good conduct, a good example. For non-parents, good example is still the most important thing. But after that, young people need encouragement and the wise advice of those who have gone before them. People, especially young people, need a sense of hope for the future and a sense of purpose and meaning to life so they do not drift through life without direction. I think you're right, Patrick. So example, both by parents and, you know, if you're not a parent or if your kids are already raised, you still have the opportunity to be a good example uh, to many young people, and you need to be. They're looking for those kind of role models.
1: And young people need to realize that those who are slightly younger than them are looking to them for role models as well. The the 10- and 12-year-old is not looking to you, Dad, for a role model as much as they are looking to the 14- and 15-year-old. Are 15 you kidding? Yeah, as much as they are looking to the 14-, 15-, 16-year-old as a role model. And so we all need to realize that we have an opportunity to, to be an example and influence on those who are young, especially those who are younger.
2: The Jim in Tullahoma says... Uh, as uh, an individual, we are to provide for our own, 1 Timothy 5, 8, though I believe the text is speaking of the physical needs, such as food, clothing, shelter. There are other needs that a family has as well that would include recreational activities, education, spiritual training at home as well. I, I appreciate Jim bringing this up. Here's something to think about. You know, you, you, all night long, Jacob, you've been knocking the idea of providing recreational entertainment for, for kids. So you're just gonna you're just gonna let the kids you know sit in a corner and twiddle their thumbs? What are you gonna do?
1: Well, yeah, stick their nose in a book and don't ever take it out. <laughs> no, certainly uh, these physical activities are are wholesome, and uh, are okay in their right place. But we're saying that the church has important things to accomplish, and the physical is not uh, the responsibility
2: of the church. That's right. But I do think that Jim's point is well taken. We should be, as parents, and for that matter, even those who are not parents but who can encourage young people in the process, by organizing some kind of a a recreational activity or a social activity, that is totally and completely appropriate and even necessary in, in the home and in the private setting. It's not the work of the church, as I hope we adequately pointed out, but it is the work of the home, and young people need that sort of thing. Coming from the proper source, which is the home, that's the way it ought to be done. So I, I think that's a good point to bring out. I wouldn't want anybody to listen to our program tonight and go away saying it's wrong to play to baseball a or play, play yeah. golf. Or. Exactly right. Uh, a couple more emails coming in. We had,
1: did you finish up, Jim? I've seen yeah. a good number of people who have opened their homes oh, wait, to I have read, Bible read. studies, provide good, wholesome recreation for children, provide financial help for those in need, etc. They have been a wonderful example to others of what an individual can do. And an individual has the responsibility for taking care of those type of things. But, again, the church is primarily focused
2: on the spiritual, which some seem to have lost that focus. There we go. Uh, Timothy, again, from Texas, writes uh, concerning individual responsibility, go into all the world and preach the gospel of all creation, Mark 16:15. What is our world? Each individual should go to their world to preach the gospel. Uh Each of us has a sphere of influence, and it may be larger for some than others, but all of us have people that we can influence, and our individual responsibility is to influence all we can. Our
1: responsibility is not to get on national television and uh, preach the gospel and not to uh, take out some huge newspaper or article uh, that would go to everybody across the United States. If we have the ability to do things like that, we should. But our responsibility is to do what we can in teaching the gospel in the same way that the first century Christians spread the gospel by teaching individuals. We can teach others as well, and we can uh, teach the world as we're told to do.
2: All right. We've got a, a follow-up email from Don. And again, Don, thanks for generating our discussion tonight with your initial questions. And he says, one reason church is distinguished between young and old is because many parents simply do not teach their kids at home. So the church tries to lure kids in, even if this means bypassing the parents. In effect, the church is trying to rescue the kids from the parents. The problem is the methods used. Well, that's sadly true. There's an awful lot of parents that are just absolutely forsaking their God-given duties. We know Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 places a primary responsibility on parents to bring up their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Parents, in general, are woefully neglecting that responsibility. So there have been some religious groups who feel like they've got to go to extraordinary means in order to try to fill the void, uh, unfortunately, because they feel like this is such an urgent need, they're willing to go beyond what's scripturally authorized in the doing of that. Uh, no matter how great the task, there's no authority to go beyond what is written. And God's way will work if we'll employ it. And we got to just simply have faith to do what he said to do and do it the way he said to do it. Uh,
1: that, there are... A lot of people in the world today who aren't maintaining their automobiles like they should. They don't change the oil like they should. They let them get dirty, and they don't do preventative maintenance. That is a phenomenon in the world, but the church does not equip to to remedy that problem. No more than it is to remedy the fact that there are uh, parents who do not spend time with their their young people engaged in those physical things that the young people need. Uh, The church cannot fill that void. The church can help where parents are failing in teaching the gospel, but they cannot help in filling the void where they're not spending the time on the physical things. And we need to remember the church's
2: place in this life. Exactly right. Well, we're almost out of time, Jacob. Before we end, I want to remind everybody of the poll question we've put up. We're going to have it up for a few weeks about the woman who has been nominated to run as the Republican candidate for vice president, Sarah Palin. We're not asking you about her politics, whether you agree or not. We're just asking... As a Christian, and with your understanding of what the Bible teaches uh, concerning roles of men and women, would you, could you, should you vote for Sarah Palin for Vice President of the United States? And sometime between now and the November election, we're going to deal with that subject. It may not be popular to do so. And my guess is we're going to get some varied opinion uh, from people on that. In fact, we already have. We're already getting some response to our question we're and, split down the middle, 50-50 and, right now. That's right. So let's see, let's see how it goes. I'm, I'm hey, going to put that up on the website too. You're going to get
1: some emails so that you're sexist, probably. And we're not saying anything about a woman's uh, value or her abilities over a man or her worth, any more worth or less worth than a man. We're just talking about God-given roles.
2: In and fact, you and, know, the last two weeks before tonight, that's what we talked about, man's role one week and woman's role the next. I mean, we understand that men and women have roles assigned by God. Would would God's plan for women authorize a woman to hold such a position? That's, that's his what role asking. for
1: women, allow uh, a woman to hold an office like that. Yeah. We hope you will. Uh, send us those emails, questions at com. It can be a simple email and the subject put yes or no. And we'll know what you're talking about there, and we'll uh, gather those uh, emails together and hopefully in the future have a, a discussion of that question. We appreciate you listening to the program tonight. Thank you for your time and your thoughts, Stan.
2: Thank you, Jacob. We enjoy, always enjoy the virtual Bible study, and we look forward to it on Thursday night. Yes, we do appreciate you for joining us, and we hope that you'll make
1: plans to be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.